You're listening to StudiaCast, a podcast created because a few dedicated Studia shippers decided that canon just isn't enough. In order to quench our extreme thirst, we review and discuss the hidden gems of Studia fanfiction. We hope to introduce the fandom to new material while supporting talented authors. This is StudiaCast. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 7 of Cityacast. Um, this week we are talking about the wonderful Step Siblings AU, Let's Waste Time Chasing Cars, by... Sorbisosiparius. None of us can pronounce this name. We hope that was <laughs> that close. To we really tried. We sh- we're going to call you Saucy during this instead. <laughs> Ooh, love it. Okay, um, so this week we will be talking about... The first part of this fic. Um, there's also a sequel, but we will be talking about that in mm, a few weeks because I think that next week is our special HowlerCon episode. So tune in for that. We will be talking about HowlerCon because we will be there. Um, all right. So my name is Rachel. I am Rongasm on Tumblr. My name is Maggie, and I am Red String Banshee on Tumblr. I'm Claire, and I am Fudgy the Whale on Tumblr. And I'm Rosemary, and I am Row Your Boat on Tumblr. So, how did you guys feel about this as an AU fic? I know I've discussed this earlier with Rachel. I have a thing for step-sibling AUs, and I don't... (laughs) I think I mostly blame Life with Derek. That scarred me. Yes, I, too, love step-siblings fics. I actually wrote one, but I uh, credit this to me not having any siblings, so I, like, don't understand the squick factor. Like, I don't have anybody who I have that relationship with, so when I'm reading them, I'm just like, they live together? They can sneak into each other's rooms for cuddling? They can do it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking that, but I was like, we're two minutes into this, let's ease up on the sex. (laughs) Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. No, I'm totally joking, that was a joke. Um, Oh, I am too, I'm not sorry at all. (laughs) Never be sorry about studio sex, that is my first rule. (laughs) I'm usually not sorry about anything. Anyway. So yeah, what did you two think about this as like an AU-verse? I enjoyed it a lot. I think it made sense. And I'm going to skip to the end. I like that at the end, the squick factor, if there was one, which there wasn't one for me, it was taken away because Sheriff and Natalie broke up. I don't know why I was looking forward to that, but I did. Because <laughs> he's supposed to be with Melissa. God. That's yeah. probably why, because I don't ship them. But I ship Stidia, So Yeah, I really love their dynamic in this fic because it was not only were they step siblings, but they kind of had this antagonistic relationship where it was like, back and forth squabbling, which is like, you know, nirvana for me. But um, I absolutely adored their dynamic in this fic. And I think that taking away all the supernatural elements of it still kept it um, so in character and exciting to read. So as an AU standalone, like it was just phenomenal. Especially because I felt like when we had that scene in um, 5A, I really felt like it was a purposeful slap in the face of, to, like, Stidia shippers. I was, like, I felt like I was getting slapped, like, in the hand, like, being chastised for shipping them still, and so the fact that this author took what I felt was, like, extreme lemons, and, like, not the good, dirty kind of lemons, the other kind of lemons, and, like, made lemonade out of it, if that just made me love this fic more, I was, like, ha! Fuck you, Jeff Davis! Mm Mm-hmm. And that's regarding um, Natalie being the one to show up for the sheriff's date and not Melissa, like we're all expecting. Uh, and that really was, like, I felt like the studio fandom, like, collectively, like, 
our eyes almost rolled out of our sockets. We were like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I made some audible rants and noises that were not nice. And I yeah. swear a lot. And it was great. I don't think any of us were too excited about that. But I remember it definitely was a surprise. I made a post about it on my Tumblr, and I feel like I sent even more people into like a frenzy about it, which is like completely on me. <laughs> That's my bad. Then like an hour later, I cooled down, and I was like, "All right, it's gonna be okay." But I was so pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Not okay. Mm mm. Fuck. Fifty yes, shades of nope. <laughs> um. But anyways, um, yeah, so let's talk about just the beginning of the fic and the that first scene that really frames um, their relationship. It's the first time that Styles says, take a ride with me, Martin. Oh, God. <laughs> and um, I love that scene. I love the fact that he carries her up the stairs and that um, her heart, his heart is beating faster in his chest and she notices it. Well, and something I love is I love that Lydia loves math and she loves being logical in this really awesome way. And it's the first time we see that certain probable uncertain thing happen. It happens a few times during the fic. And I think it's such a Lydia way of analyzing things. Yeah. I have like the exact same note. Not surprised, but basically her, it's like everything for her is a scientific method basically. And it's just perfect. Although can I just, before we get into anything else, I propose that we rename this fic Let's Waste Time Getting Cock Blocked <laughs> by Isaac Leahy. Because <laughs> I think that's more appropriate. That's true. Yeah. Ooh, but, um, Every time they get interrupted, I think I just have a note that says fuck. <laughs> yeah, I do. And that, they get interrupted a lot. That closet yeah. scene could have gone such good places, and the oh, fact I, that it didn't, I was horrified. I was like, you are interrupting what is probably one of the hottest makeouts I have ever read in fanfiction. Shame on you, seven minutes. Shame on you, time, yep. you fickle bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but it was such a, a Lydia way of analyzing where the relationship could go, and I think I've always wanted it framed in this way but didn't know I wanted it framed in this Mm. way. The author did such a great job of really making Lydia's mindset very clear to the reader. Like, we were just totally observing all of this happening within her own mind, and it was beautiful. It was logical, um, the way she, like you said, the way she framed it out, the wording that she used, uh, certain, probable, uncertain. It was just, it was so well-written and so Lydia, true to her, you know? And because she's so logical in that way and she's so analytical, when she talks about they can barely tolerate each other, you know when she's lying to herself and there's a really interesting contrast there. Obviously, going into the fic, you know it's a step-siblings AU, but the reveal that they live in the same house, because you're kind of building up to that and you're like, oh, well, obviously he knows where her house is. He's going to drive her home. How did he get into her house and carry her up the stairs? He's looking for a blanket. How does he know where the blankets are? And then they're like, I remember a time when we weren't in rooms across the hall from each other. Okay, that's a plot twist. I mean, we knew it was coming, but the reveal is just so, like, nonchalant that it's just, like, kind of takes you off your feet a little bit. And I really love that. I just love that he jumps on a counter and is eating an apple, and you're like, ah. I have a lot of feelings about that scene. I have so many feelings about that scene. Just like, again, their dynamic in this fic is so funny, how they're just kind of at each other's throats. But there's so much sexual tension underlying that, 
like the line where she's like, bite me. And he's like, try again. And then she leans in. She's like, eat me. And he's like, where? I was like. He says oh. your room or mine, which is I even worse than where. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, right. where was, we're pretty clear about where, but your room or mine. And then, of course, the parents walk in and they just kind of look at each other and they're like, mm, like, mm, this never happened. Like, you know, what does yeah. transpire between us? Like, oh. They do that so frequently. They, like, make this habit of ignoring their feelings for each other. And um, I love the fact that, like, they are so... They know there's a taboo. And even though neither of them are really experiencing the feeling like they should be, like, embracing the taboo and that it relates to them at all. Like, they know this isn't their experience. But they also, like, know the taboo's there. And so they're both, like, kicking in the dirt, like, trying to resist this. And, um... Every single moment that they forget just, like, builds it up and makes it worse. These little moments that they're trying so hard to forget are stepping stones to the next moment, and they make them all bigger and bigger and bigger. And the fact that when they finally do come together, it's really small and, like, content and easy and almost, like, this lazy thing in the back of seat of his Jeep makes it, like, all the better because, like, they have the fireworks in the closet, and what they want now is this, like simple relationship that they're going to ease into and, you know, try to make last. And I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think she specifically says um, she expects drama and there isn't any. They're giving themselves to each other, and that's what she wants. I know that line, right? We're talking in episode four about how um, it's really hard to write um, a sexy, cocky styles. Um, and you know what? This is, without a doubt, the best version of Sexy Styles I have ever read. I never condone people writing him like that because they almost always spectacularly fail. But this is just a superb characterization, and he could have naturally developed like this, you know, after he grew his hair out if he wasn't so caught up in all the supernatural shit that's going on in Beacon Hills. That could have been a time where he could have become confident and changed and um you can see that like maybe this is this cocky version of styles is where he could have gone and i love the fact that he did feel really sexy and he knew he was sexy and like he was also he was like having a lot of sex like she talked about his one night stands and his girlfriends but like it also it felt like the same styles it didn't feel wrong it didn't rub me the wrong way and i appreciated the fact that she walked that line with such proficiency i think the reason why it worked so well that he was um shown as sexy without being like tacky was because there was no cheesiness to it like he wasn't this you know sex god who every single girl i wanted to be with he was just an attractive guy and it was perfectly normal, you know, just like any hot guy at a party. It wasn't, you know, there was nothing like superhuman about his like sexual prowess. <laughs> he was just attractive in a very basic and natural sense. Well, what's no sexy cheesiness. about it is, is how well that he knows her too and how he's willing to tease her. And she's just in awe of how far he's willing to go and just little expressions and motions. Like the bastard actually cocks an eyebrow when her eyes meet his. And like, she realizes he's still looking at her. And it's just those weird lingering moments where you can tell he's putting in like a little bit of effort to make her feel a certain way. I think my favorite example of this, um, is it the, the, the final, not the final, the, pinnacle scene i use that word specifically in the jeep um and she's like 
do you really want to talk right now or do you want to put your hand somewhere useful? And then they're in the midst of making out and he's like, so what movies do make you cry? And I, I think my note is literally, what movies make you cry? Styles, you smug bastard. Um, it's just so him. Like, oh, I can't even get over that. But you know, she's just like, I can't believe he's doing this right now, but I'm going to let him keep doing what he's doing to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're even making out. Like, I think he's getting her off, like, when he says that. And so... Yeah, I think you're right. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And he's just like, yeah, movies make you cry. And she's just like, I hate you so much, except I don't I love you. <laughs> I feel like it's so, like, Styles to, like, ask that question while he's, like, knuckle deep in her, though. <laughs> Oh my god. Slay me. Um, also that, you know, going, like, to the opposite of that, like, something that I love is that you do kind of see him, um, vulnerable ways through Lydia's eyes, and one moment like that is the scene in the closet where he has this (laughs) moment where he, yeah, where he's like, um, you could have said, Lydia, uh, you could have said, Styles, I have feelings for you, and then, like, he pauses, and, like, he's got his hand on her boob, and suddenly he's like, wait, you do, right? And it's just, like, this one moment where he's like, oh, oh my god, is this, like, is this just sex? Do you actually not feel anything for me? Am I the only one who's caught up in this tornado of wanting you in, like, all these different ways? And, um, the fact that she's able to put him at ease and say, even relatively early in the fic, yes, I have emotions for you, I have feelings for you, like, He's vulnerable, but she gets to catch him, and I really liked that. It's not one of those things where Styles likes Lydia way more than Lydia likes Styles. It's like they're going at their own paces, but you know they're going to meet each other eventually. Mm-hmm. So she catches him, and then later on, when she's emotionally vulnerable, like he catches her after she gets off the phone conversation with her father, and she's really upset. I love that scene where she just walks back into the family dinner and everyone just kind of pauses and looks at her. And just how it doesn't really speak about Styles at all, but you know he's part of that group. And there's just so many emotions, like, going through that as a reader. And then Lydia goes to, like, be by herself and grieve. And Styles comes up and just is, like, super gentle and gives her the time and space that she needs. And then knows, like, when to be there and when to kind of let her breathe a little bit. And I think it's such a relatable moment. Everybody's been disappointed in some way like that and just knowing that he was there to kind of support her the way she needed to be in a really respectful way. I, I, I think it was really attractive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Respect is sexy. Respect is sexy. <laughs> Respect so is good. always sexy. Oh, but can we talk about the fact that I am so pleased that the crying lines got worked into this fic? Yes! Yes! I loved that, because obviously that didn't happen in their canon, in, you know, Lydia's car in the middle of a lacrosse game, but I just loved that Styles thinks that no matter what version of Styles he is, because it's true. Yeah, it's always good to see um, callbacks, but this one especially felt interesting to me because of the fact that... Um, they ha- it was after the closet part, and so the fact that he was calling her beautiful after that was Styles opening himself up and putting himself out there for Lydia. And that meant that meant a lot to me because he could have very easily teased her or said something antagonizing because he did have to shield himself in a way. But um, there comes a point in Stidia, in like almost every single Stidia I think I've ever read, there comes this one point where both the characters kind of realize that 
it's time to step, take a step back and breathe and let things get simple. And in this fic, Styles is the one that chooses to let things get simple. And that line is an example of how he does that. So happy. You're so beautiful when you cry. <laughs> Can we talk about um, the scene where she puts itching powder in his helmet? <laughs> because I love that scene so much for so many reasons. So um, Styles is like, playing uh, a lacrosse game and they've been like kind of pranking each other like back and forth um and she decides to get back at him by putting itching powder in his helmet and he is like scratching his head on the field during the whole game and is a wonderful and then she's just ends- thinking about it <laughs> yeah and he ends up scoring like the winning goal and i love the scene where he scores the winning goal he kind of looks at her in the stands and just cocks his head like yeah what now kind of like a gesture that like was so easy to visualize and so attractive at the same time for him to just be like, I did that. Like, and you know, yeah, Lenny was like, Oh, and I know he scored that last goal just to spite me. (laughs) Like you're right. (laughs) Was anybody else kind of picturing her expression similar to how it was at the end of, um, battle? Field 211 um when when he's smiling at her in that scene his face is like more innocent than I was picturing it like he's more cocky in this but I was really picturing the like way Lydia was like clapping and mashing her lips together and like shaking her head like oh god I cannot believe you got me after I got you this is ridiculous <laughs> um also does anybody want to talk about the scene on the hood of the jeep because uh, yes, <laughs> let me down into my hips so that I can examine to see if your itching powder is gone. Okay, that's totally normal. Makes logical sense. It well, so it does, and she's really good at logic, mm-hmm. so it must. Yeah, and you know what else? As logical as her having to like run her hands through his hair and like stroke it. I mean, she has to make sure the powder is gone. Yeah, totally. She's a very thorough person. Yeah, and she wrapped her legs around and hooked her ankles just so he would stand still. So, again, more logic, you know? It's just things that had to happen. Lydia is totally in control of this situation. She's fine. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I loved how um, she was sitting on the hood of his Jeep, and when he, like, approaches her, like, he kind of, like, acts like he doesn't even see her at first, and he's just, like, twirling his keys around, and he's like, I can't talk to you right now. Like, I'm pissed. It was beautiful. (laughs) I feel like I really like Styles being able to be angry at Lydia, like, in this fun way, not, like, real, but it's it, it just, like, fun. It, it shows that there is a relationship to come back to. Like, I can't even talk to you right now, I'm ignoring you because you put itching powder in my helmet, and it, it really shows that there's something to come back to, um, which I think is cool to see just in their characters, because in canon, I can't actually imagine Styles being, like, casually angry at Lydia like oh Lydia did this shitty thing today and I'm mad at her for it like he couldn't ever because that the dynamic there just isn't quite the same as this one but seeing it in this fic made me realize that we're missing it in a way because it's cute and fun and um it's interesting to see a Styles who kind of isn't wrapped up in her like charms anymore and like super isn't putting her on the pedestal, but he's still, like, completely in love with her. Like, he sees her every morning probably without makeup and maybe without a bra on, but he's still completely <laughs> in love with her. Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. It made me a little sad, though, just because I know he has so many worries in canon that he's never going to get to that, like, carefree 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I want that for him, and he's not going mm-hmm. to have that. Sadly, that was ripped away from him in 3B, but and he's never recovered. But. No. Yeah. Someone talk about Isaac. <laughs> I love Isaac so much. Um, I was going to say, I love the part when uh, they're in the kitchen, and Styles is like, what are you doing with Isaac? And, like, you know, like, trying to almost kind of warn her and be protective of her and say, like, he doesn't like you. Like, you know what's going on, right? But, of course, Lydia knows. She knows because they've discussed this. They have an agreement between them. And little does Styles know that she doesn't care about Isaac either because she cares about Styles. But I loved um, Styles just kind of being, like, upset, like, visibly upset that she's with Isaac and wanting to both protect her and... Um, contrastly, like, wanting to be with her at the same time. It made me wonder if... I really... The fact that we don't get Styles' POV in this fic is, like, such a crying shame. And the fact that... Because we can't see him be open with Lydia. He's never open with her. So, like, I don't know if he's had a crush on her since the third grade in this universe. I don't know, like, if he ever stopped having a crush on her and the crush restarted. Um, I don't know if he was feeling like is Lydia kind of starting to have feelings for me and then she starts leaving with Isaac and he's like shit never mind like there's so much about what's going on in Styles's head that we don't know um which I feel really sad about and I just like I want to know like how did he feel when he found out that their parents were moving in together and he was going to be across the hall from Lydia Martin like the Lydia Martin I'm sure like I think in, in this story, their reputations are both kind of, like, the reputations, like, precede them. They're both kind of well-liked by their peers. And so I, they've definitely, at least, they've known each other, and there's been, like, that familiarity between them before they moved in. I was going to say, um, Rachel, you said, I, like, I want to know, like, how he feels when she starts seeing Isaac. I think there is, like, a bit of hurt there because there has been, like, this underlying flirting that they've both acknowledged in some kind of level and you know they're not blind they're not stupid like there's something going on underneath and then you know for Lydia to um start dating Isaac I feel like maybe Styles was kind of like you know what the hell is going on between us like was I reading into something that wasn't there you know there is like a bit of hurt and animosity which you know he um he did that to Lydia, too, like, when he started dating Malia. Like, that scene was so profound in so many ways and poignant. Um, the party scene where she kind of, like, introduces, like, Malia and Styles, and she introduces them not expecting them to stay together, and they do, and they stay, and they stay, and they stay. And Lydia just has to keep suppressing, like, typical Lydia Martin, just push it down, don't feel anything. Conceal, and don't so, feel. Absolutely conceal, don't feel. This writing style, specifically for me is the writing style that fits Lydia's character um, the best. And I think that the one that I would relate it back to the most is Out of the Ash by Magrad 2011. Um, The way Lydia handles situations and the way Lydia perceives events, um, this, like, almost detached kind of intimacy. You know, I I I know that that's um, kind of an oxymoron, but there is something about Lydia in this fic that's detached intimacy. And, um, and you can see it in the way she, in the way the author writes the words, the way Lydia interacts with words. Um, and I just loved the style, and I feel like it's so suited to this story. It was so fun to read, and, you know, um, every time I read a fic, I try to learn from authors, and it was fun to learn from this one. 
there was something about the way her language flowed so beautifully. And like you said, that detached intimacy, um, just the way that all of the gestures and all of the um, scenes that happen in the fic are all written very subtly. So we as readers, we're the ones who have to really like pay attention and zone into all of the kind of like infinitesimal moments that occur because it's not Lydia saying like, and then he did this and my heart felt this way. It's all very, like I said before, kind of an under the table kind of gesture, which is so Lydia Martin. And I like that the reader has to kind of interpret that for themselves. Because Lydia can't zoom in because if she did, it would be admitting that she's already lost. And she spends a lot of this fic like, I have walls, I have my moat and I could let Styles in, but um, right now he's not yet. And the truth is like, from the very beginning, like, when she doesn't wake up on purpose, like, when he's carrying her up the stairs, she's, like, already lost. Like, game over. End screen. It's done. So something that's really cool in this fic is the motif of the parties that keep happening at the beginning. There's the one with, at Danny's house. First off, I just love Danny because I miss him, and I was so happy that Danny was here, even just, like, a little bit. And that Allison's alive. It made me happy that Allison was there at a party and alive. Enjoyed that, but I enjoyed that that was a motif throughout that they were at parties. I really like the fact that um, every time they were at these parties, there was this feeling like they were alone in a crowded room. Like there was always, even though there was people around, in a lot of the scenes where they're interacting at parties, it feels like they're the only two people. And I feel like that's because, like, when Lydia's looking at Styles, she doesn't realize this, and she definitely doesn't realize it throughout the fic. But um, when she's looking at him, it's like there's nobody else there. Like, he's just, like, she's got blindness, like, blinders on. She's just looking at him, and, like, he's the only thing. Well, it's like it's like that Gatsby moment where it's, like, I love parties. They're just so intimate. It's, it's, uh Yeah, I just loved that, that, the fact that, um, their biggest moments happen when there were other people around. Exhibit A... Closet makeouts. <laughs> Do people still play Seven Minutes in Heaven? Like, is that a thing? Yeah. I wouldn't sure, know. Not? I was not cool in high school, so. Were people, any of us cool in high school? I don't no. know. I'm judging by this conversation, no. Yeah, and the fact that Danny, like, interrupted them in that closet scene, like, that was, like, one of the most intimate parts of the fic, I think. And I really loved um, the fact that the only way they could, like, speak what they were really feeling was when they were literally, like, in each other's space, like, invading each other's space, and Lydia was, like, too tired to lie anymore about why she was sleeping with Isaac, because he was right there, and, like, she couldn't even bother to come up with something fast enough. Like, it wasn't even on the table. She just, like, doesn't. She just kisses him instead. Yeah. Everything about that scene was just, I love the way it was written. I love that, like, everybody went, ooh, when they landed on each other. And I love that, you know, the whole closet scene was just such hot writing. And um, even when, like, Denny knocks on the door and says something like, you might care if your pants are off, but we don't. Like, we're going to open the door at this time, so you better be ready. And it was just so well done. And there was, like that sandwich moment, like, uh, that intimacy between those two, just sandwiched between, like, fun and lightheartedness and something so serious and special, um, just in between all that. And it was just wonderful. And I love how that when they do go to a party, they're often, like, separated in a sense, but they always come back to each other in the end, whether it's, like, they have to arrive at the party together or they leave at the party together. But even if they're separate at 
the party, they're still together, you know? I was picturing them, like, being in the same house, getting ready, and then, like, silently, like, walking out to the car together and, like, driving and, like, fighting over the radio. And um, Lydia's, like, texting Alice and, like, get me out of this asshole's car. And Styles is, like, humming off-key on purpose because he knows it'll drive her up the wall. <laughs> Two things. Um, one, because talking about Styles humming off-key reminded me, I think... Probably the most underrated part of this fic, and my favorite, is the fact that it is acknowledged that Styles talks in haikus when he's drunk. Yes! Yes! There's kind of one party for each stage in their developing relationship over the course of this fic, which I really like because it's just a kind of a snippet of what's going on with them because you have the first one where they clearly are antagonistic, and then the second one where she kind of voice Malia off on him and then uh is the third one when he and Malia break up and she has to take care of him and then the last one when they're after graduation um and they're just acting like a couple and no one really is noticing or gives a shit anymore um so it's just kind of nice to have the the story progress using the parties as those examples of what their relationship is in public um yeah it's almost as if like the parties are the places where they can go and, like, be out of their house so it's not quite real life. And that's where all the truths come out. Like, the parties are when they can, like, be more truthful about, like, how they feel about each other and who they are. And that's, like, really shown in the last party because, like, as you said, Claire, they talked about how, you know, people um, were not noticing that they were acting like a couple because they, they are a couple, but, like, they didn't want to outwardly be a couple while they were still in Beacon Hills with that stigma happening. Even though there wasn't really a stigma for seven minutes in heaven, I feel like nobody actually thought they were going to go into the closet and make out, except for maybe, like, Allison, who was the one saying to Lydia, you're gonna miss him when you're in college and you're not seeing him every day, and Lydia's like, ooh, you are actually right, motherfucker. (laughs) Um, One of my favorite parts, and Claire, you touched upon this, uh, about Styles speaking in haikus, was just, like, Lydia understanding and knowing those parts of Styles, like, when he's inebriated. Like, I love that she's, like, um, when he gets laid, he's nicer, and he listens to rock ballads, and, like, when he's high, he eats, like, a whole jar of peanut butter, and when he's drunk, he speaks in haikus. And, like, uh, it just was really, it really showed, like, she understands him in, in just this really kind of intimate way with, like, still, it still has the humor to it, and it's, so many of those moments are, like, so Styles. Like, Styles would absolutely eat an entire jar of peanut butter, like, when he's high. But um, I just love that. And I love that they're so young that they were able to, like, see those moments with each other. And the fact that it's all brought about because she's analyzing over the fact that he has the radio turned down and what that mm-hmm. actually means to their relationship is very... It was a great way to start off their relationship with and the fact because it's very Lydia. Um, and through that, we got to understand how well she knows him. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love um, the small intimacies of Styles and Lydia's relationship here because there is something inevitable about, like, getting to know someone who's literally living across the hall from you and, like, Lydia says that she could probably write a book about Styles, like A to Z of Styles Solinsky, even though she doesn't know him anymore. 
Um, and I love that line because it shows that all this time that they've been in each other's airspace, she's been keeping tabs and taking notice, um, and she's probably collecting even more information about him. Um, like, for example, the pots and pans scene, you can tell that in a lot of ways she's cataloging him, which I really like. I love to see that. I love to see... I love the idea of um, them, like, sitting in the same kitchen, eating breakfast, and, like, Styles has his cereal, and Lydia has her coffee, and it's, like, this very quietly intimate thing that neither of them want to admit to, but it's there, and it, it has affected her. Like, at the end of the fic, she says, oh, this is actually not the end of the fic, this is the next part. I have lied. <laughs> Vanishes. <laughs> Never mind. Whoops. I love that idea, though, of them, like, a stranger living across from you in the hall and knowing everything about that stranger, but they're still a stranger, you know? Just that idea of it. Ooh. Also, Styles, um, like, cheering super loud for her during her graduation speech. Like, how cute was that? Her boyfriend cheering for her super loudly at her graduation speech. Yeah. Just, like, the idea that, like, she probably, like, they're sleeping together for a while at this point, so she probably, like, read the speech to him a bunch, and, like, he saw her pacing while she practiced it, and, like, he annoyed her about it, and maybe he, like, edited her copy of it one day and, like, made it so that all the words were spelled backwards, and <laughs> she had to go back in and fix it. <laughs> Wasn't, like, one of their pranks, like, um... One of their textbooks looked exactly the same, but everything was, like, written backwards or whatever. Yeah, or like econ book. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Brilliant. I feel like that could actually be super useful. He could use it for coach on Mischief Night. Um, really, though, if Lydia and Styles were pranking on Mischief Night together, can you imagine the shit that would go down? Oh, that would be so deadly. It would be deadly. They would have to pick someone who deserved it, though. Like, imagine Jackson comes back to Beacon Hills, and Lydia and Styles are like in a relationship, and they're like, hey, you want to go prank Jackson for all of Mischief Night? And the other one's like, yes. And Did you even like, have to ask? Of like, course. why are you asking me stupid questions? I've already got a, I've already replaced my planning board with, like, <laughs> my mystery board with plans for getting Jackson. And then a little bit of something for Greenberg, probably on the side. <laughs> Greenberg. The dash of Greenberg. I really feel like Danny is actually the one that orchestrated this entire thing. I feel like the mastermind of this fake was secretly Danny. Danny! Absolutely. So Danny's li- brilliant. The fact that he, like, wasn't home when Lydia needed a ride. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going yeah, to go uh, take these drug people home, Lydia. So you should probably get a ride with your stepbrother, who you hate. Have fun. Yeah, also, Lydia, I can't throw this party, so it's your responsibility. You and Styles have to orchestrate this party together. You know, like, I just feel like Danny, even in canon, he's kind of, like, got his hands on the strings, and he's just definitely, like, pulling them here and there behind the scenes. You know what, Maggie? Danny's got his hands on lots. What? Danny actually knows, like, everything. You know he does. So this concludes episode seven of Studio Cast. Next week, we will be at HowlerCon. It's going to be um, um, an extra, like, bonus Q&A episode with myself and with Maggie, who is Red String Banshee, and also with Rachel, who is Clary Failchild. So please feel free to go to the Stidia Cast 
Tumblr and um, or I guess any of our individual Tumblrs, although that might create complications in list curating. Anyways, feel free to go to the City of Cast Tumblr and submit questions for our Q&A, which we are very excited to do. Um, you can ask us about Fix, you can ask us about Teen Wolf, you can ask us about ourselves, I guess, I don't know, um, if you need to. Um, and Any HowlerCon questions? Yeah, ask us HowlerCon yeah. questions, because we will be there, and so will Crystal Reed. So anyways, so then the week after that, we will be talking about the sequel to this fanfic, so don't forget to go read that one, um, and then we can get down and dirty. Same with Stidia in that fic. Yeah. Um, and so, my name is Rachel, I am Rongasm on Tumblr. My name is Maggie, and I'm Redstring Banshee on Tumblr. My name is Claire, and I'm Fudgy the Whale on Tumblr. And my name is Rosemary, and I'm Row Your Boat on Tumblr. And we will see you in New Jersey! Which doesn't sound super badass, actually. Everything um, is legal in New Jersey. That's a good point. <laughs> Anyways, alright, we out. Cydia cast we review and discuss our favorite Cydia fix if you enjoy the fic as much as we did be sure to leave the author some love and encouragement you can find us on tumblr at the url Cydia cast or on twitter at Cydia underscore cast a huge thank you to our editor rosemary row your boat on tumblr for making this possible and to you our listener for tuning into this episode see you next time